Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everyone? Brett here, bringing you another episode of The Rad Dad Show, the punk rock parenting podcast where we ask inspiring dads the question, what does it mean to be a rad dad? Today, I'm pleased to bring you Christian's recent interview with Brian Ray Turcott, who's many things, although Christian tried to distill it down to Brian being a punk rock historian. And in keeping with this, Brian most recently took on the role of curator and creative director at Las Vegas's Punk Rock Museum. The self-described patron saint of punk rock is also a musician, a book publisher, an author, an artist, and of course, he's a dad to two teenagers. Brian stopped by to chat about taking a page out of his grandfather's book, reflecting back on his relationship with him throughout the interview. Uh, He talked about trying not to push our interests on our kids and about learning to put one foot in front of the other and having patience. He also talked about the joy of being in service to your kids And he and Christian bonded over punk being a perfect combination of art and education. And of course, so much more. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Here's Brian Ray Turcott on the Rad Dad Show. Okay, so let's get started. Let's officially welcome you to the Rad Dad Show. First question, who are you? Who are we talking to here? Oh, my name is Brian Ray Turcott. I don't know. If you know what I do, I do all kinds of stuff. So it's kind of hard because sometimes people know me in different, different lights. You know, it's like I've, I've kind of uh, been in the in and around the punk scene since I was fourteen. Grew up in San Jose and moved to LA when I was nineteen. You know, played in bands in in San Jose when I was a kid, opening up for every band you can imagine in the eighties. And then in LA, started a band and got signed and worked at Splash Records and and then uh, kind of launched a book company in 99. And uh, my first release was this book called Fucked Up and Photocopied. And that kind of launched me into the publishing business. And uh, I guess long and short of it is that I just kind of do all that stuff. Like I'm still a musician. I run a recording studio. I still publish books. I... You know, I'm an artist. I've recently become a curator and creative director at the Punk Rock Museum. So, I mean, it's kind of like I got my hands in a lot of pies, but it's always kind of rooted in the I'm my own boss. I don't really ask permission to do stuff DIY kind of uh, arena. I've owned art galleries and run record labels, and but it's all, all independent stuff. So it's like it, most of the time when I tell people what I do, they're kind of like, dude, how is that even possible to to do all those things? And it's like, you know, I just kind of find the time. I I guess it's when it's, when it's something that you love and it's something that I just do like breathing or or eating or sleeping, it's not a job. It's not hard, but it does consume a lot of my time. Um, And then on top of that, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad to two teenagers who I love dearly and I've changed my entire life around uh, that idea. You know, when they were born, you know, a lot of things changed. Like I don't travel and do all the things that I used to do before, before that. I mean, I still travel, but not like I used to. So a lot of these things were centered around them also. Like, I don't know what you, what you even know about me or what's um, <laughs> schizophrenic or crazy all, all of those things is you know the reason that you're here is that you have all yeah, of these yeah. things going on and and so uh yeah i how i would maybe describe you from from what i've seen and i've 
only really seen from Instagram. And I, I don't know how I stumbled across your account maybe a couple of years ago. It was probably something that you you posted and me searching hashtags and and uh, I would, you know, my description would be a punk archivist of sorts. And, uh, and, sure. um, and yeah, that's all like stuff that I love too. You know, I, I'm a huge, huge, huge SNFU fan and, and uh, have one, I would, I would argue one of the biggest SNFU record collections in the world. And I, nice. And, nice. and I've created this community and people, ask me questions about different pressings and all that and that just you know just nerd out you know with the with the with that so that's probably where or maybe that i don't know maybe it's through brian uh you know ancient artifacts you know um oh sure yeah brian gorsinger yeah so maybe i mean there's definitely a small there's definitely a small group of us around the world that uh collects but in a way that I would argue is not from a collector perspective. Like I am a historian an archivist, a curator. Um, I've shown and exhibited all around the world. Like I, I don't think of myself as like a buyer of things or a collector of things. Um, but the collection is huge and massive. <laughs> and I, I can only attribute that to the fact that, I've been in it since I was 15, you know, so I've never really stopped. Um, that's what led me to fucked up and photocopied was that I had a pretty big collection to start with. Uh, my partner who did the book with me at the time, Chris Miller was a, a Boston punk. So he had his personal collection. So that's what kind of kicked it off. Then once uh, we started making calls you know, it was actually kind of easy for us because we worked at Slash at the time. So it was like, hey, Ian Mackay, like, I work at Slash, I'm doing a book. And they were like, immediately like, oh, okay. He's got some credential. He's going to give me a FedEx number. You know, like, I, I trust this guy. Or I got your number from, you know, Joe Shithead from DOA. You know, that kind of same idea of go, go book your own tour. I was just calling people based on getting numbers from other people. And then after about six months of collecting for the book, like we had no publisher or anything like, you know, in mind, ended up with, you know, two or 300,000 pieces from maybe 200 different contributors. So it certainly gave us a lot to work with when designing the book. Um, but then to my happiness and surprise, only about half of them wanted their stuff back. Actually, some of the people... I still have some of their collections being held because they don't even know how to get a hold of them, you know, but, <laughs> but ultimately the collection kind of exploded beyond the book. And then once the book came out, it exploded yet again, because then all the people that I didn't know existed were calling me saying, Oh my God, why didn't you call me? I didn't know you, you know, we're going to do another one. And so that's what led to punk is dead. Punk is everything. So the collecting just kind of has always ramped up every year or every few years based on like product output gallery shows books that kind of stuff which is fun and then i think also because i'm not a buyer and seller there's a lot of people who have entrusted their collections with me because i just don't sell stuff it's just more about like showing and telling stories and exhibiting um, so I think I've gotten access to a lot of things that I wouldn't normally have because they know that it's just safe in the collection. And if they ever did want it back, it's right here, like in order. 
so somehow it's become almost like a i don't know what you call it like a like the patron saint of punk rock like i yeah. feel like it's my job you know to kind of protect the stuff show the stuff tell the story uncover things you know it's something i love doing uh i learn every single day that i do it you know like i've been in it in the game a long time and i still am coming across things that i'm like i have no idea what this is and you know and i'm learning more and telling more stories so i so it never gets boring for me because it's it's constantly turning over rocks and going oh my god what is this you know tell me about this i didn't know this existed i mean just recently i found I'm a huge Darby Crash fan and a huge Germs fan and working at Slash allowed me to see lots of things and being in LA, all that. But I find stuff. I found a Germs flyer um, from uh, Scranny, the singer of Wasted Youth that I'd never seen in my entire life. And I've even shown it to a dozen people and they've never seen it. So it's like the, the idea that there's still, you know, King Tut's tombs to find and, and to help tell the story. It's, it's never ending. Like, I feel like I could never do it even in my lifetime and complete it so that gives me you know joy to kind of keep going and just to keep finding stuff but i don't have that collector's state of mind that i have to have stuff or that i have to own things or covet things it's just not in my nature like if you come to my studio you'll see piles of flyers and all the t-shirts are out like people look through them it's it's not like behind glass or in plastic or any of that junk Sweet. that's rad we can talk more as we go through that here's your, your first question do you consider yourself a rad dad man that's a hard question that's why we ask it <laughs> yeah that's hard i mean i you know i i toggle back and forth between that question a lot it's like i don't know I, I guess i can put it this way like my dad was super cool probably one of the coolest people that i've ever known in my life and probably was thought to be cool by everyone around him but was a horrible dad so i looked up to him from like a hero point of view but it it was not a great experience from a comfort safety point of view and then my grandfather was like one of the best dads that i could imagine but was um a square by all intents and purposes like just a, a just a, an amazing person but had no interest in being cool or trying to flaunt anything or you know flex his his power so it's like i i think that i i think that i really strive to be not a cool dad and i kind of inherent that term rad into that uh and just be a normal square dad but I think no matter how you look at it, if you know, if you look at what I do in my life, um, I think my kids might think it's rad, you know? So it's tough. Like I, I think 
I'm a decent person and have a lot to say and uh, supportive and creative and, you know, emotional and, and helpful and all that kind of stuff that I love to do. want to live my truth and empower people. And I love being in a band more than I love being a solo artist. I like working in groups and, and being inspired and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I really try to just be super dependable and even and uh, not uh, push my my culture or my my creative ideas on the kids too much, uh, you know. But shit. That being said, it's like my youngest is in three different punk rock bands, <laughs> you know, and and I've taken him to see rancid when he was nine years old because i grew up with lars and you know like i've done a lot of that stuff which maybe in hindsight maybe when they're older might look back and go holy crap that was rad but at, at the time it was very normal um always try to to be not too aggressive in like uh the art culture or the punk rock culture because i i don't i don't know i guess with the music i just never i never wanted to push music on them but i left guitars around the house all the time so one of them really gravitated towards it and he's an amazing musician better than i ever was at his age and he's in all these bands and doing all this stuff and he's a born artist but has nothing to do with me even though he might disagree with that so that's why that's a hard question. Like I don't I I don't know how to answer it. Like they would have to answer it. I think I'm a good dad, but and I definitely have tried to teach them to live your truth and to you know, as long as I'm happy in my life, I think it it will it will cross over into their lives like I'm not do, doing something I don't like. I'm not complaining about my life or my job. Like I'm just trying to they like this makes me happy playing in a band or going and doing books or you know meeting with you know different types of people so that they can just see that i'm happy doing what i'm doing and that's what i hope that they glean um but i really wait for them to start the questions of like music and culture and art and and that type of stuff you know to say like sure okay we can have that conversation i really try to not influence their personalities by my own likes or desires and that kind of things you know like i'm like if you want to be a doctor you should be a doctor like i don't want you to be a musician or an artist just because i am i don't expect you to like punk rock or the punk rock museum or to go see my band or any of that kind of stuff like if you want to totally cool but i'm not trying to make little brian's you know if that makes sense totally that's you know you, you touched on a lot of different kind of things there like and that's one of the i think missions if that's uh, how i can describe it of, of rad dads and the rad dad show too is like you kind of touched on the idea of like you kind of doing you and following your passions, but then not being overbearing on on your kids. But also, I think they they see that right. It's really kind of like a modeling idea. Like I'm the yeah. kind of the same way. I like punk rock, skateboarding. I love going to live music. I play in a Bad Religion tribute band, uh, you know, and my son sings Nervous Breakdown with us. But 
but if you know if i look at his ipod it's not really punk rock but you know i get i have some fortunate you know opportunities with some of the friends you know here and for example propaganda is really big you know favorite band yeah. and and then and uh, my friends, a promoter, and also their tour manager for the Western Canada. So whenever they're here, we get to go and uh, see him sound check. And like, I bring my son, yeah. and, and he knows, you know, the guys from the band now. And, and like, yeah. And but that's just like normal, like you said. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. To, I'll be honest, I don't really care if he likes propaganda, but I'm gonna go see propaganda sound check. Yeah, you're with me. You're coming along. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe sure. a bit begrudgingly, but uh, you know, when you're older and can say no, I'll be okay with that. I'm not. Uh, you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's funny how that stuff comes around too. You know, it's like, I just kind of, I always try to create a space where they can like or dislike a thing and, and have the ability to, to stay it without feeling judged because it's not something that I really pushed any kind of agenda of what I think is cool or who, you know, for me, it's more simple. It's like good person, bad person, right and wrong, like that kind of stuff. But, you know, years later, it's funny to me. Like my son was like, oh, my God, I know this song. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you do. I played this song in the car a million times, but it wasn't for you. It was just me listening to it. He's like, yeah, the cramps. Like I, I didn't realize. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, because it wasn't like I was trying to educate you of like, this is what you th should think is cool. It was just music we played. You guys responded to it and you liked it. So we played it, but it wasn't about what it represented or who it was or, or its place in the world. And it hit them years later. So, I mean, I guess that's the only way I can kind of describe it is like, I think that, you know, my wife and I are definitely like just huge believers of living your truth and being as honest and open about your feelings as possible uh, without trying to sway anybody and, and just accept all things, you know, like all four of us like different foods and different music and all that stuff. And that's rad. Like I, I just would, I know that my father was really trying to put a lot of him onto me and it never really felt great to me, even though I loved him and worshiped him on a lot of levels. Like I didn't want to be like him, you know, and it was always felt like um, if I disagreed with something that it was me letting him down, you know, and I just never wanted to ever make any of my kids feel that way. It's like, just because I play music doesn't mean you need to play music. I'm not going to force you to take piano lessons. I'm not going to, you know, tell you what to be in life. It's just kind of trying to help them make the best decisions for themselves and then own those decisions, you know, and then deal with, oh, you didn't really pick the right soccer team, but we committed to them. We're going to stick with it until we, until it's okay to not, you know, like it, it, it's not going to bail you out of stuff and I'm not going to force you into something. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think I'm, you don't know, man. I think I'm a good dad in that way. But, I mean, I also know that it, I, it can't help but rub off that, like, he's surrounded by crazy free-thinking artists. And, you know, like, my youngest is hanging around Fat Mike and Fletcher when he's eight years old. And there, there are no holds bar telling stories. And I'm just <laughs> like, let it rip. 
you know, like that's Fletcher. Like I'm not going to tell him not to, but like, and so I think that they, as they giving them the sort of safety net to kind of like take it on, have feelings about it, decipher it how they want, you know, and then when they need explanation or understanding, you know, certainly I want to be there to, to help them, but I don't want them to ever feel like they're having to adopt a, a feeling about anything just because it's my feeling. I think that that's important. And, and does that um, idea come stem from punk rock or is it the fact that how I you think so with your dad or is like, no, I think so. I think it does. I mean, I know how I felt around Look, my dad left when I was nine, uh, and it was up and down and hit and miss up until, uh, you know, the day he died, which is you know, a few years ago. But I think that I always knew how I felt, and it was tough because it was, I always worshipped him. I never looked at anybody in the world like a hero figure or somebody that I wanted approval from like him. But at the same time, he did things that made me feel bad, and I might have not even known why. But I think that once I kind of found punk rock and found that group of people who clearly were uh, supporting the idea of, you know, be yourself and and it's accepted, you know, like it's it's not about a uniform or 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 behaving in a certain way that then I kind of realized really what was happening previous to that, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, wow. Like, yeah, this isn't, this means something to me. And it, and so it, it allowed me to kind of change my outlook on things as well as my behavior on things. So I think punk rock was definitely a way of establishing that it's, that, you know, there's something beautiful about just being yourself regardless of how people think and that you have to live your truth and you can't live for other people and you can't, you know, just seek other people's approval um, and, and live that way, you know, uh, and that's what I was doing with my father was just trying to please him, even though I knew I wasn't like him. You know, I was too emotional, sensitive, concerned about what people thought, you know, had a hard time with uh, doing the wrong thing for self-gain. And that was what he was all about. So it was challenging. What ways is So I was always, always, always hyper, hyper, hyper aware, like, especially when I had kids. It's like, oh, now here, here's a point where I can actually really put this to the test. I mean, I think I had been able to do that in my relationship with my wife and my friends and my crew and all that. But then once we had kids, it's like, oh, now it's, it's on. Like I made a promise, like I will never make my kid feel guilty because they want to do something that I might not want to do, or they want me to, you know, take them to a party at midnight or pick them up. Or, you know, it's like, it's never going to be about like, oh, dude, you know, it's just like, you got it. I'll be right there. You just suck it up, man. You're the dad. It's not it's not a a friendship thing, you know? This is like I'm the dad. Like I'm not it's not that's not my job is to flex my personal bullshit on them, you know? So it's really got a lot of that from my grandfather. It's just like he never 
never ever did that to me ever no matter how crazy it was and so I've, I've tried really hard with my kids to always be that way to just be I mean certainly you know as you know like kids are going to pick up when you're disappointed but I mean again it's just not about guilt or or just like selfishness or you know it's a, and you have to just like you were just saying like you might want to go do a thing and the, it's just not the right time or place and to never make them feel bad about like they have to go to the bathroom or they just don't want to go to a book there. It's like, no problem, man, we're out of here. It's never about me being disappointed in them because they don't want to do what I do as an adult. So I've really tried hard to, I think I'm, I think I've done a decent job at that. You know, just being like, no problem. I'm not going to, yell get mad make them feel bad like there's no there's no point in that like this is all they need is love and security and understanding and safety and and support you know and if they want my opinion as a person then i'll give it to them but only if it's suggested or asked for you know or unless i think they're in danger or making a mistake i'll tell them my opinion but i'm never not trying to make them be humans that i want them to be Right. And so in what ways has fatherhood changed you? You said there was a kind of that shift in okay, it's on, but I think it's changed me for the better for sure. I mean, it's it's I'm not a, a different person, but I think I'm I don't know, I think it's definitely made me uh a better listener or a better friend or just, you know, like less um you know, what's interesting is I never, I never expected that when the kids were born, this is going to sound weird, but I never expected when the kids were born to, to feel like I was just introduced to a person that's fully formed, if that makes sense. Like I, when I met them for the first time, when they were born, it was like, oh, whoa, like this is this is a fully formed, full personality, like person, soul in this body. And, and the only thing that they can't do is like speak to me or walk around or feed themselves. Like I didn't expect that. I expected it to be a little more like oh, you can just plug information and they just kind of evolve. You know what I mean? Like that just wasn't something that I had thought about, even though I believe in all that, that stuff. Like it just didn't, it didn't, I didn't know I was going to feel that way where it's like, oh shit. Hey man. Like, you know, I look at my kids both now 15 and 17 and it's like, they're exactly the same people I met those years ago. It's it, 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 they just developed a sense of communication and develop their sense of understanding of things, but who they are as people, what they stand for, the way they operate, the, their look, the feeling, the emotion, the intuitiveness, the empathy, all that stuff was already there. I didn't expect that. So I think it really, you know, kind of taught me this, this kind of level of, of understanding people in general, that it's, you know, that you can't, you know, expect people to react towards you and that you can only react to them you know like you can't change them you can only change how you react to them you can respect 
and understand that they're they're different that that wasn't something that maybe i had honed my skills towards you know it's like any kind of relationship like you're in a band you're kind of doing a job and you're trying to work well together i think i have much more of a better understanding and a, and a am inspired more by the fact that like i can be really good friends to people that i might not be able to hang out with all the time and find the good in certain things and just you know just sort of like leave a, a lot of buffer and leave a lot of room to not have expectation or to not try and manipulate a situation you know it's just kind of like i have really really great friends that i just don't get to see very often and i don't hold any guilt or or baggage over that it's just like man if i see this guy once every two years it's just as rad as if you know i have certain friends that i see more than others that don't even live in la so it's like it's it's just given me a, an appreciation for the differences in people to try and just sort of embrace what that is rather than say you know if you're going to be my friend it means xxx or if you're going to you know like to, to not to like let some of that preconceived idea of what it's like to be a dad or to be a friend or to be a husband or to be a boss and just sort of go you know I don't really care about titles or expectations or roles. I've, I've lived long enough to know that roles change for reasons we can't even imagine, you know, like just, you just change. Like, what are you going to do when something happens? You're just going to say, I, I, it can't happen. I can't change because, you know, it's like you have to roll with change and say like, okay, you know, we're not going on that trip because something happened. What are you going to do? You know, like that, that's, that's relatively since my kids were born that I've come to be able to accept that, embrace that and kind of move forward with that idea rather than being like, God damn it. We missed Disneyland or whatever it is, you know, like, it's like, all right. You know, like I've seen shit go down on the playground and, you know, it would make any parent angry where it's like you're you want to punish the kid. And it's just like I'm there going like, all right, time to go home. You know, just <laughs> it's just, you know, clearly you guys need to eat or whatever it is. But like there's no point in yelling or being angry. It's like or, you know what? I had an expectation of this was going to be a perfect day. Like shit happens. Kids fall off the slides or whatever, you know. Totally. So for that, for that, I think I've I've evolved. A, a little bit in that regard based on you know them just kind of going oh okay and then reflecting it back to my grandfather or my father and just going like you can't predict when the kid's got a, a mood or something happens or an emotional meltdown happens or what, whatever it is it's like and it's there's a reason for it you just gotta own it you know and just be cool with it that's a, I think so I don't I don't lose I don't lose my <laughs> you know get frustrated or or you know nearly as 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 much as I used to. It was just like God, I wanted this to be perfect. You know, it's like I I think okay. I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak, and it maybe has to do with my my history and, and having kind of turmoil in, in growing up with with my parents and and whatnot and. So I like that you brought that up. I think, yeah, having kids is definitely 
uh, educated me on being that, you know, like I gave you the, you know, at the beginning of the the chat, you know, I wanting to coming down to LA, yeah. flying in LA. I had it planned in my head, okay, going to pick up the car, go quickly to the thing and then head. Yeah. Like I could, I could have been pissed off and mad that I didn't make it, but no, like what, what of is course. that going to do? <laughs> like, of course, right? I've learned a little bit more on how to just kind of one foot in front of the other and kind of go, well, we're headed in a direction. And if it works out cool. And if it's not like, I can't force the ship to go where it wants to go, you know? So I like kind of, hinting at the idea of like well it's getting to be around dinner time we should start to plan to eat but if it turns into something chaotic like you know i'm just like not i'm not trying to hold on to the to the control i think i definitely have control of things like you do because of the turmoil but i'm i'm learning how to focus it in other ways or creative ways or my ocd organizational ways like i can control other things to feel in control I'm trying to not control people because that's, I know what it's like to feel controlled. You know, it's not a, it's not a feeling that I want to, uh, I don't want to be my father in that regard. You know, I don't want to fear, don't want them to fear me or regret a call or, you know what I mean? I know they don't want to let me down and I'm (laughs) sure they go to their mother and say, don't tell dad, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but that's okay too. I'm okay with being like a little bit of fear in them that they don't want to disappoint me, but I have never blown my stack on those guys. You know, like I'm just, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to turn into that person no matter what happens. I'm just not. Yeah. I don't tell my, my dad uh, passed away about 20, just over 20 years ago. He committed suicide and wasn't a uh, part of my life for a long time like that my, my parents separated around when I was maybe 10 years old so I don't have so a, ton of, a ton of memories um yeah. w- w- with my dad but the ones that I do have uh, when I was younger were him getting mad at me yeah. and like yeah I remember quite vividly and it's just weird to me that I have that as a, a young childhood memory of me and my my friends and my brother having a pillow fight in the basement and we broke a feather pillow open and it got everywhere and instead of me if that was me as a father i'd be laughing about it and maybe grab a pillow and start whacking yeah. but no he grabbed yeah. his belt and started whipping us and like yeah wow not saying that he was I like know. that all the time but you know i do have good memories of my dad when i was of course came back into my of life. course but uh but yeah it's just uh not those memories it. are those those memories are a drag you know it's and because i think it is just sort of a a lack of um it's a lapse in judgment you know i don't think my dad was naturally that way but he was pushed to get that way for whatever reasons and i just don't think he ever quite embraced the joy that can happen from the the idea of being of service to your kids and it's not about what you get back, you know, like, I think there's something I've just learned to embrace the joy that I personally get from doing those things, regardless of whether I get thank yous and I love yous and all that stuff, because it, it that's not why I'm doing it. Even though I know that that's either how they feel or how they will reflect on it looking back on it um i can't i i can't 
hold them to a transactional sort of relationship like that. So I, you know, I feel sad for my father that he couldn't get to that point, but I definitely am at that point where I can be proud of being of service in that way and being that person in that way and teaching them and to be consistent and not judgmental and accepting. And, you know, I mean, there's all obviously have limits, you know, it's like two in the morning scream, you know, like everybody's up partying and I'm like, just cool out, you know, like <laughs> I got to go to bed, but, but no anger, you know, it's like just that kind of stuff is, it's just a, it's just a power trip, you know, it's just, it, it's not what I want. I don't want my kids to ever look at me in the same way that I looked at my father, even though there was lots of love there. There was mostly lots of uh, pensive apprehension and, and a bit of fear of like, I don't know what person I'm going to get today. You know, yeah. is it going to be happy fun dad or is this going to be aggro, you know, judgy dad, you know, you're going to criticize me, you know, it's like, it was always like uh, nervous feelings, you know, and I just don't, I don't ever want that with them. And I, and I hope that that's how they feel like I can, you know, be goofy and understand and but they know that i have like full ocd and that i'm like aggro about organization and cleaning and laundry and all that stuff but i've just learned to deal with it it's like you know like i'm never going to stop you from leaving your clothes on the ground i just pick them up when i can you know like it's just I, I, those lessons are not going to be learned you know what i mean they're different people that's not something that I expected. I guess going back to my earlier point is I, I thought that that sort of stuff is learned, but it's really not. It's like hardwired, you know, uh, organizational functioning, higher level type. Like that's either in you or it's not. Like you're not, you know, certain people can walk right by a, you know, a spilled bottle of ketchup and not even see it, you know, and I can't. I can't change that. I can't be angry at them for not seeing all of even though it drives me crazy, it's like you just have to kind of laugh and go, "Did you seriously not see that?" You know, it's 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 just comical. Like I've learned to kind of just not hold on to that kind of stuff as some sort of inner voice turmoil, because that shit will just kill you. Agree. I uh, I have a lot of experience in, in terms of behaviors of kids. I'm a high school teacher and have been for over. 20, oh my god, that's amazing! Twenty years. So when you talk about, you know, I'm very OCD too with certain things, and like my my notes or my yeah. my worksheet that I make, my tests or like yeah. I have a lot of control over that. Or my SNFU vinyl record collection. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yeah. don't touch yeah. it. This is the you know, yeah that thing yeah. but uh but yeah you talk about like organizational stuff you know johnny grade 11 binder papers everywhere no matter what i say or what i do i'm not going to change him he's been like yeah. that since elementary for example yeah. and you know i'll be supportive and i'm not angry or not that yeah. over that anyways but uh yeah it's i've seen i've seen all the extremes it's been kind of a education for me in that sense you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to see those those sorts of things, so it's just interesting too. Seeing my son grow up, he started junior high today, grade seven, and, and amazing. Uh, I'm kind of curious now to what kind of student he's going to become because there's, there's that transition. Elementary is a good student, you know, and yeah, yeah, uh, you know, you try to give him some tips and to 
to survive, so to speak. But like he said, ultimately, he's he's kind of hardwired. He's very empathetic, a very kind individual, very social individual, uh, you know, uh, doesn't understand why people make fun of each other. It just, yep, that's my his, son's in, the in same brain, way. He's just like, why would people say that to, to one another? Yep. Like in his yep. mind, he he can't imagine ridiculing or making fun of someone. That's just not him. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, where does he get that from? I don't really have those those direct conversations like that. But yep. you know, I think I'm respectful and have lots of friends and we're respectful to each other. So maybe you've seen that from modeling, but I don't know. I, don't, I really. Can't I think it's just like, again, I think it's that philosophy that the, I, at least for me, I think that they are just born who they are. And then they're part of the genetic brain function of the way they see things and the way they, you know, organize things that kind of makes makes a certain uh, distinctions between things and, and my kid is the same way he can't understand it and and so you know oftentimes it's you know I just try really hard to not like have it become a teaching moment where he's feeling like I'm telling him how to be but just supporting like you're right like it is hard you know um and then act, you know, like be as the best person I can be because I also know that they're watching me. Regardless of my interaction with them, I know that when they see me interact with peers, friends, strangers, elderly people, like everything I do and say, I know they're just watching me, even if it's not a like, hey, kid, you watching me? Like they pick up on all that stuff. So I'm always very direct and very consistent in how I respectfully like shake people's hands and listen to them and things it's always kind of like i know i'm being watched i know that they're maybe even like me learning what not to do in for themselves you know like i i'd like to say that i got i learned a lot from my father i learned what i didn't want to do whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i have to look at it as a good thing you know i was I loved him, looked up to him, but there was lots and lots of lessons to be had of saying, I'm not going to be that. Mm -hmm. I, and that's I, okay. Yeah, I have those lessons too. Like everything I think I've done for the most part of my life was to be the exact opposite of my parents. You know, my dad yep. uh, drank a lot. I, I tried yep. to refrain from that. Uh, yep. Me he too. wasn't educated, dropped out of school in grade eight. And I, I saw him not struggle per se, but he was a hard worker and, and the jobs that he worked were just hard on his body and, yeah. and, and yeah. soul. It wasn't, you know, I went to school and that's also what kind of maybe gravitated me towards punk rock a little bit is, is, you know, uh, I really looked up to people like Greg Graffin, who has a PhD. I really looked up yep. to Jello Biafra because of just the intellect, I think, in the lyrics. And like that was sure. the thing that was really appealing to me. Not really the like the exploited like kind of idea. It's more the that other, I don't know if you want to separate. I'm, a, other I, I'm in the same, well, <laughs> you know, I mean? I'm in the same boat. Like I was always, um, uh, I love that like you could listen to a band like Crucifix and know that like, you know, Sotero went on to become like a bank broker and things like that. Like it was always an education and an artistic understanding. It wasn't just drink beers, get fucked up and, you know, tear shit up. It was, I gravitated to that always and saying like, it's, it's an elevation of consciousness. 
idea thinking embracing and going forward and moving forward and not just you know trying to destroy stuff yeah i wanted to so i'm I'm missing not destroy me too yeah did you have any fears about being a dad no actually thought i'd have more kids uh two is two worked out tried for three it was planned and, and almost happened didn't work out but uh i think again because i knew that i had the tools in the box to be better than my father that it was gonna be okay and i also knew that um you know, all they really wanted was or needed was just, you know, love and support and understanding and food and shelter and clothes. And, you know, like, the, like you know, some of my favorite people, you know, super educated, went on to be amazing people, didn't have money. Like, none of that ever really concerned me. I've never really concerned myself too much with money. And I've always been able to make a great living doing things. I don't really not preoccupied with that kind of stuff. So I knew that it was going to be cool regardless, especially once I met my wife and it was super easy. Cause I was like, Oh, I, you know, you know, and you're like, this is going to be, this is going to be rad parents, like two people. Like she, like it was definitely part of me that like when I met her, I was like, well, you'd be rad mom. That's big points in me. You know what I mean? Like I think about those things. So being a parent didn't, freak me out at all i think i was even more apprehensive to get married than i was to have kids at first because my parents were divorced you know and it didn't mean as much to me but of course we had a big wedding and it was fun <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. we had kids you know yeah. my wife and i were together for a long time before we had kids so we were able to do lots of things together as a couple you know traveling and shopping and just going out and seeing shows all the time. So when we did have kids, it was like a perfect time to be like, this is what we want to dedicate to. It's, I have no, there is no competition here. If I'm going to choose going to see a show over my kids, it's going to be kids every time. Like I don't, it's, to me, it was a no brainer. It was very, very few times in my life where I thought, oh, I really want to go do this thing, but I can't. Like it, it didn't even enter my brain. It's like, yeah, you know. When am I going to, you know, this, this kid thing goes too fast. Like I, you know, it's, it's a moment in time. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to miss any of it. <laughs> it does go fast. It's, you know, it sounds so cliche, but, uh, you know, I it's have true. a nine month old and I'm just like in my brain the other day, I'm like, how did nine, how is he nine months already? Like, yeah. and yeah. I really cherished, you know, really thought about that. I was, as I was down in California and like I said, you know, I was staying at my uncle lives in Santa Barbara and he, uh, luckily he, luckily he was, uh, actually at his cabin out, up in Canada. And so I got to run the run of his place for nice, a week. And, nice, nice. and yeah, it was just the, you know, five of us and we just hung out at the beach and just like soaked it in. That's man. amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Being in the moment, I learned a lot of that. Being in the moment and ex- embracing what is right in front of you, regardless of what the perception of that is or what other cool things are out there, is, is stupid. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's just like, I can't, I can't, it's like you just have to enjoy where you're at right in the moment doing what you're doing. You know, like there's this, 
one moment in my life that I cherished and it's a silly moment, but it's like, it was my birthday. Uh, the youngest had to have been only about a year old and, and the oldest was maybe a year and a half, maybe two at most, something like that. And we were going out to dinner and it was like, we're going to go out to dinner because you have two little kids and you're like, you never really do that. And it was like, we're going to go out to dinner. You know, the nanny's going to stay and watch the kids. And, and my oldest, I remember just walking out the stairs, like, we'll be back later. And my oldest just started melting down and was like, you know, don't leave me. And I just said, okay, buddy. And I just picked him up and we took him with us. And, and he just held on to me so tight and we took him to dinner. And of course we sat down at this beautiful restaurant and he was on my lap and he just fell asleep the instant that we sat down at the table. So I was like eating dinner the whole time with this baby just, you know, and I was like, this is the best birthday ever. My back is killing me. Like this is crazy, but I'll never forget that. And there's not a lot of birthdays that I remember like that, but it's just that idea of like, okay, this is what's up, you know, like I'm not going to, I don't know. It just seems really easy for me to kind of take left turns now once they were born to kind of just accept that you can't control life and that shit's going to happen. Kids are going to break bones and shit's going to happen. And you just kind of have to roll with it. Like that's this, I'm not in control anymore. There's two other humans that are here amongst my wife and I, and I've kind of learned to, to love that as much as, it can trigger some of the OCD stuff. Like I, I love it. Like it's fine. Like, okay. Let's roll. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm good. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've gone, you know, an hour outside. Like we, my wife and I went to Coachella and, and drove all the way out there and it was hot as hell. And we got out and we went inside and 20 minutes later, we looked at each other and we were just like, the sick is going We just lose. Like, it's just like, I'm not tripping. You don't need to suffer through this expectation of what something's going to be. You know, it's like there's too many things in the world to throw you off your balance. And I, I think I've learned a lot since they were born on how to go with that balance and just kind of go say yes to things. It's, it's like you don't know what's going to happen, you know, like go with your gut. It's always going to lead you in a better to a better place, regardless of what happened. You know, did I miss the show? Yeah, so what? Got to be with the kids, you know, or I got to see that sunset, you know, on the way home. Like, you just, you know, I just learned to kind of trust that the universe is pushing me in the direction and that I can't control that at all. As much as I try. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> One more parent question, and then and then a few two uh, two other uh, questions. What about your you know, just what you're doing? Yeah, but yeah. Do you have do you have any? What are the most rewarding aspects of being a dad? Say that one more time. What are the most rewarding aspects of being a dad? Oh my god! What are some few? Just it's highlights. I mean, it's all rewarding for me. I think the most rewarding thing for me is seeing them be good humans and um and and to not necessarily know that that had any influence on by me per se but to just kind of go okay well some combination of a lot of these things whatever it is whether i choose to you know 
stay in the house that they were born in, you know, until they go to college because I want consistency or just, you know, all those little things and teaching them like, you know, to thank people in person or write letters to your relatives who sent you gifts, like all those little things. When I see it just being applied with them not knowing that I'm watching them, it's super rewarding to me because it just, it's just a personal little joy that I, I can't really share with anyone other than my wife of like, Oh my God, did you just see that? Like, I don't even want to go up to them and go, Hey man, that's awesome. You know, like I say, I'm proud of them all the time, but, those little moments where you see a thing or you see a revelation or you hear them articulate, you know, in a way that you just kind of go, man, you're, you're cool. You know, like, I don't worry about you. And I don't know if I had influence on that or not, but hopefully some sort of little bits and pieces that I've kind of put into your life has at least allowed you to get to that place whether you're learning it from me or not. And that, and again, that comes back to my original philosophy of just, I don't know if I don't want to be teaching into them, you know, like I don't want that. Like you're going to take piano lessons because you're going to be a great pianist. Like I just am not a big proponent of that. You know, if I, if there's a piano there and you want me to teach you something, I will teach you something. If you don't care about it, I'm not, it's fine. Like they're, Clearly, my oldest is a great artist, but he's a different brain. You know, like I, the last thing I want to do is try and force something into his life that he doesn't want to do. So when I see that sort of stuff just develop and happen and I see the way they are, interact in the world, I'm, I get super excited. But it's, it's, a, it's a selfish little weird personal thing. Like I don't even really get to verbalize it much you know and just go like oh damn bro that's you're awesome <laughs> like i i have faith in that whatever you want to call that you know like the cosmos god all that stuff so it's like this is rad like you're awesome you know like that so let's shift a bit like tell us what's next for you you know you got all of these things as you know we started out the conversation of you know of what all of these different things that you do being the patron saint of punk rock or this punk punk archivist, do you have any projects kind of on the, the there's horizon? always stuff on the, there's always stuff on the horizon. It's your chance I mean, to it's kind like, of plug some stuff here. That's, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the punk rock museum and the curator creative director of that is an ongoing thing that I feel like I, I will always be a part of and, and pushing to try and grow and develop because it's just such an important thing. Um, but it's like, you know, out, outside of that, it's just, again, it's just a combination of like this sort of trying to maintain the, the DIY ethic and the, and the knowledge to, to a new generation. I mean, the real, the real joy I get is like seeing my 15 year old playing in bands and watching what he's doing and kind of, you know, supporting that idea that like, you're awesome don't listen to anybody do your thing if you need help on here you can have my recording studio if you need it but trust your gut like there is no wrong here you know like using the knowledge to try and benefit a generation of kids that might not understand the living your 
truth. I mean, I think that generation certainly understands it better than ours, you know, like they are used to all different types of things that we were completely foreign to us, you know, but, but I think there's just like, I look forward to more about passing on information and telling stories and supporting a younger generation than any personal thing that I want to do. There's always going to be books and records and art shows and all that kind of stuff, but I'm finding a lot of joy in ushering in younger kids you know going and seeing 15 year old bands and being like you're awesome just keep doing it don't, don't listen to anybody just keep doing it you know if you need my help just ask i mean that's that's kind of it i mean there's always a million things going on there's nothing that i really want to plug other than i like i like having an open door policy for people reaching out to me if they just want to know things or to talk things through. I think a lot of people get surprised that they can just call me and ask me a question. And I'm usually pretty open to like, well, yeah, let me tell you my experience. You know, you want to, you want to print your own book. I can tell you how I can show you how it's like, I've done this for a lot of years. Like it's not easy, but I can, I can glean this information from you. I can tell you, you know, the best way to do it in my experience or, you know, whatever, like just being, you know, your own free self. I don't know. That's it. It's a hard, it's a hard thing for me because I do, do feel like I have a lot of plates spinning. I'm not really willing to let a lot of them drop to do other things. So I continually add things to the, to the <laughs> repertoire without letting other things go. And sometimes it's hard to keep them all spinning, but I just get keep getting inspired. People ask me all the time, like, are you still inspired by music and art? And I'm like, yeah, more than ever before. And I can honestly say that. Like, I am inspired more musically, artistically, you know, publishing-wise, like, you know, thinking-wise, philosophy-wise, poetry-wise, film-wise, more than I ever was before. Not to say that there isn't great stuff that happened before, but it's like I'm continually overwhelmed with inspiration so sometimes i have a hard time focusing my energy because it's it's like i'm a list maker mm -hmm. and i'm like constantly <laughs> up all night and you know Me trying too, like to, to like, like <laughs> yeah it's bonkers like it's like there's too many things on my brain so i i always kind of hesitate to focus too hard on one thing because every day is different i mean probably why i enjoy you know like I have a music studio and a music production company, a liquor company, a book company, and, and I can kind of ebb and flow around like what my brain is feeling like at the time or give attention to something that really needs it and, and let things kind of flow the way they need to flow when need be too. I don't want to crush things too hard. I have lots of great people working with me that, that support these things. So it's not about control. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of a spiritual leader to kind of step in and go, oh, no, no, let's shift this way. and You're good. Okay, cool. Do your thing. Like I said before, I like working with people. I don't, it's never about what I want necessarily. I think I have good intuition on things, but I don't have this preset determined idea of what I want to do. And every day is looking different. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like sometimes I wake up and just go, you know, I want to focus on, I want to, you know, I want to open a coffee shop or I want to, you know, learn how to bake or like it's, it's, 
some days it's just like all I want to do is go do ceramics and that'll you know that's just what I need to do at the time so I have this schizophrenic brain so it's hard to pinpoint other than the, the idea is again just I find more joy in music and art and philosophy than I ever did in just business money and shit like that so you know going to see you know like the Keith Haring exhibit can inspire me onto a different uh, stratosphere sometimes or whatever. Like it just spins me out. Like I can be inspired by a band or by an artist, a dead artist, a, a book like John Lurie just wrecked my brain all during COVID. I was watching his show and listening to his book on tape and just going like, just spinning into all these great creative modes. And I, that's what I love. So I kind of don't know. The universe is just going to kind of take me there, I guess. I have to trust in it. Like it like it does. Are there any yeah. words of wisdom you'd like to leave for dads or dads listening out there? This is the last question. I mean, my my, you know, my only words of wisdom to anybody, even with my own kids, would just be to, from a dad point of view, is to, is to not be afraid to be sensitive and emotional and you know to be able to 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 shift around from you know like certainly you're the dad and you're the protector and you're this whole predetermined sort of idea around that but you know i think it's also important for 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 kids to emotionally connect with their dads and have time where it's a safety place even if you're not speaking like my oldest son and i oftentimes we just i give him that time where it's just him and i and we will just cruise around and like get food and go do a few things and there's not a whole lot of communication happening but it's like he knows like i'm here i'm not trying to be like suck it up man like it's just like when he's ready to have a delicate conversation we will and I think that's something that my dad struggled with, you know, just sort of like not trying to be the dad. You know, I think that being a dad can also kind of be like being the mom in that cliche point of view or just a listener or, just, you know, it's like that's I think a lot of things some of my friends who are dads struggle with sometimes, you know, and I'm just like, man, I think that's important, you know. You want you see your dad vulnerable and see him emotional and see that that's okay. You know, you get broken up about things. That's part of it, you know. Like I, I try to just not hold that back. You know, again, just be myself, be truthful. This is how I'm feeling. I've really tried hard to to get to a point to where I can say, I'm going to express to you how I feel, my brain and my heart. But doesn't mean that I'm saying this about you. So I'm, I'm, I'm expressing myself. This is what's going on with me. So you understand, but I'm not suggesting this has anything to do with your doing. So we can relate to this is for some reason, this is where I'm feeling and I don't know why, but we can talk about it versus this, you know, I'm mad. And it's like, I'm not mad at you. You know, it's like that, <laughs> that can be confusing to a kid. You know, they, they automatically just think it's about them. So communication, I guess that's really it. I mean, there's no bad communication. Like that's, I don't know why people struggle with that. Like, why can't you just say how you're feeling because you're, 
it doesn't mean you're judging somebody else. You know, that people feel sad. People feel depressed. People feel mad for no reason. I know I do. Sometimes I just wake up mad. I was like, I don't even know why. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's okay to just sort of say like, I don't know why I just woke up mad. And it's like, to, but to not make it that you're the victim or other people are to blame. And I think that's really important. Just that kind of open communication in a way that you can feel free to express yourself, even if you don't have the answers or you're not trying to be accusatory. And that, that like, communication in general is something that we always really strive hard in our family it's not always that the kids want to communicate but i'm always communicating to them as much as possible or at least where i think it makes sense and i know people struggle with that a lot i mean that seems to be like a huge part of what's happening in the world is just it's all about just expressing communication and without feeling that they're going to be judged or or accepting that they might be judged, but that's okay too. You know, like you still have to do it. You still have to speak your truth. You know, I know. I know. I, I think struggle. that's probably one of the most the most important things to me. It's just that you know, there's no wrong feeling. You know, your feelings are your feelings. If you, you can, if you can express that, that's part of getting through that too, and having somebody hear it without necessarily taking on the burden of it you know that's a big part of it like I, speaking to speaking things out loud i think is important sometimes it helps you almost manifest your own thoughts you know the inner voice can be a crazy place yeah. i don't know did i just get too weird no not at all <laughs> i could probably go on for another hour we'll just end it there uh, <laughs> All right, that was Brian Ray Turcott on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. We don't have ads or really make money at this at all. And people are always asking us how they can support us. So to tell you the truth, the best way is to share this episode. Share our posts on social media. Tell your friends. Or hey, drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Those things are so easy, but they mean so much to us. And on that note, if you're looking for more Rad Dad's content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok at, at rad dads show. You can also head over to YouTube to watch all these interviews as well. Wherever you're watching or listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. That also makes a big difference for us. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. Check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.